0: Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping you lead better every day. And now here's your host. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, where we encourage you to love well and lead well. I'm your host, Jason Day, and this is a great week because I had the opportunity to speak with Daniel Fusco. He's the pastor of Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. Daniel and his team are doing some amazing ministry in the Pacific Northwest. Daniel began his ministry as a church planter, planting a church in New Jersey and two churches in California. While pastoring both churches in California simultaneously, God broke into Daniel's life in an unexpected way. Through much prayer and discernment, Daniel accepted the challenge to turn over both California churches to leaders he had helped develop and take on the lead pastor role at Crossroads Community Church. God has blessed the transition, both for Daniel and his family and for Crossroads. In addition to serving as pastor, Daniel enjoys sharing his faith via social media, playing jazz, speaking at conferences, and writing. And his latest book, Upward, Inward, Outward, was recently released by Nav Press. On this week's episode, Daniel and I talk about navigating the transition he made from church planter to following a very effective and well loved founding pastor at an established church. Daniel also shares some intentional actions that their church is taking, both outside of their doors in the community and within their church during their worship gatherings to effectively reach those who are uninterested or unfamiliar with Jesus. We also discuss the value of the upward, inward, and outward elements of spiritual formation and how ministry leaders can help their people connect with those who are far from God through conversations around spiritual growth. We had an amazing time, and I believe you'll be inspired by it, so let's jump right into my conversation with Daniel Fusco. Daniel, it's so great to have you with us on the Church Leaders Podcast. Welcome. Hey, thanks so much. I'm really blessed to be with you all. Uh, Now, you're the lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church up in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about your ministry there?
1: Yeah, so um, I've been here at Crossroads now for about six years, so before I was here, at Crossroads, I was church planting. I planted a church in uh, the northeast in New Jersey, my native state, and then a church in uh, Marin County in the Bay Area of San Francisco, and then also a church in the north end of San Francisco. And then I went from being a church planter and I got invited up by uh, Dr. Bill Ritchie, who's the founding pastor of Crossroads here to uh, Vancouver, Washington. And uh, I, I was his successor. So, kind of, Crossroads was one of those first generation mega churches, started in 1975, grew like gangbusters. And so, I got the pleasure of uh, being his successor. We had a, a really blessed and amazing, uh, God's grace filled transition. And, uh, and so, I've been here now at Crossroads uh, as lead pastor for almost uh, a little more than four years now. And, uh, and God's doing crazy stuff. We have our campus in Vancouver, Washington, and then we also just launched a campus in Southwest Portland, Oregon, about nine months ago. And God's doing a lot, a lot through our new campus as well. So it's really exciting.
0: Awesome, brother. Now, Daniel, I want to jump in on something that you mentioned because I think our listeners might be interested, as I am. Can you tell us a little bit about the transition process that you went through and the church went through as they went from their founding pastor to bringing you on as the lead pastor. What did that really look like? Oh,
1: and and Jason, I'm so happy to you asked about that. Me and Bill talked to a lot of uh, churches about this, and we've done conferences together about it. So, you know, as Bill had been getting older, he had, you know, when I was invited to Crossroads, Bill was uh, 67 years old, and he had been pastoring the church since its its founding, and he was watching the congregation get older as he got older, not really connect with younger families in the way that he would have liked it and so long before he needed to transition he kind of proactively began talking with the elders and the board about bringing in a pastor now what bill did i thought was really ingenious was rather than getting looking for like bill was 67 so looking for like a 55 year old or 50 year old pastor um he decided he wanted to jump a generation uh, and his thinking was is that when you announce that a new pastor's coming in a transition starts and it'll probably take five or six years for that transition to be complete. So if you bring in somebody in their, you know, their mid fifties that right as they get settled in, in a few years, you're gonna start transitioning again. So uh, Bill had the kind of wild idea. So at the time when I was invited up, I was 36, younger than Bill's youngest child. And so what we decided to do is we, the trans the leadership transition had to take place in, um, it, it couldn't be longer than 24 months. And so, and part of that was a protection for me, oftentimes long-term pastors, um, they have a hard time giving up uh, the leadership position. And really Bill drove that knowing, in talking to his peers, knowing that that was a struggle there. And so we ended up completing our transition in about 15, almost 16 months and uh, we co-taught for uh, a while and then I took three Sundays he took one Sunday and then uh and then we transitioned over and then really once we did the leadership transition which took 15 16 months then you know obviously the church goes into transition as it begins to um figure out like who are we now with a new leader mission vision and values and so I always tell people that our transition really took uh in total 15 months of uh, the senior leadership transition then probably about another 3 years of just everyone getting settled and aligned with the new vision. And God really blessed it, Jason, to be honest with you. Uh, we grew in transition, not a normal happening. And we've grown by double-digit percentages uh, every single year that I've been uh, at Crossroads, except for one year where we had kind of flat attendance. And and I, and I that's not a pat on my back. I just – God's grace is all over this thing.
0: That's awesome, Daniel. That's fascinating. It, I, I can tell that there was a lot of – Um, wisdom and intentionality going into that transition. And we don't always see that with churches, so I can certainly appreciate that. What was that like for you as you were stepping into a role where the, the planting pastor, the founding pastor, had been leading that church for so long What was that like for you kind of coming in and kind of working your way into what God had for you and for the church moving forward?
1: You know, it it was really an interesting life experience, and it really stretched me out. Having been a a pioneer church planter, um, it was a huge step of faith to to step into an established church where there's already a culture and there's already uh, all that kind of stuff going on. And so for me, that was a huge step of faith. Also, one of the beautiful things about our transition is that uh, the plan was always for Pastor Bill to stay as part of the congregation, And so uh, in a lot of ways, we did everything you're not supposed to do, but God blessed all of it. Uh, And so but God really stretched me out. I learned a ton. I had to rely upon him. And uh, and it was really, to be honest with you, it's one of the most beautiful uh, ministry and life experiences I've ever had Uh, on paper. Probably prudent wisdom would say that everything we did, maybe you shouldn't have done it that way. But but we saw it was a, a vision that God had for us, and that we were willing. Pastor Bill and I were willing to walk in it, and we, and Bill and I, made a, big, a strong commitment that we were just going to guard our relationship the whole way, and uh, and we did that. And and I just love this man, and I'm so grateful for him, and I love that he's still a part of Crossroads. And so I've learned so many things that I didn't know. Uh, what, like it was the first time after being in ministry for um, almost 15 years. Uh, I, I was put in a position I had never been in where other than my ability to preach, I was way out of my comfort zone <laughs> and, and still am, to be honest with you. And so uh, I'm really grateful for the lessons that I'm learning. And, and you know, ministry is a process, uh, whatever we think we know. Um, ends up getting challenged in different ways as we as we serve the Lord and, and minister to his people and try and reach the lost every day. And so every day is still just a learning experience for me. And I just want to stay in that with that heart posture of just saying, I'm just going to learn every day. God's not done with me yet. I'm not completely formed as not only a child of God, but as a minister. And so every day is just a great day to embrace the process and enjoy the journey and learn.
0: Excellent, man. That's beautiful, brother. And as you bring up some of that um, kind of the, the heart posture and this continuous learning, you've just recently released a book, Upward, Inward, Outward. And as I've read through the book, this book really is a um, the, the way that I see it, I would characterize it as a gro- uh, spiritual growth, spiritual formation book. Is that how you would describe it as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, in a lot of ways, I wrote the book not only like I kind of wrote the book for myself, to be honest with you. As I was <laughs> looking at my life, and I was looking at, you know, the life of the people, you know, all the pastors on Stafford Crossroads, and and the, and the great church that I'm a part of. It was just kind of I just started to realize that every day, is an invitation. Like kind of what I was talking about. Every day is an invitation to grow and learn. And so I was really looking at it and saying, what would it be like if we just took Jesus's greatest commandment? you know, and, and, you know, the upward inward outward framework isn't brand new. I didn't invent it, you know, but what would it look like if we were cultivating upward, inward and outward living every single day uh, at street level where we live, where Jesus meets with us. And so, yeah, my prayer is that it, it, it's a spiritual formation book. And also it's been really exciting to see uh, people who are outside of Christ. Obviously I live outside of Portland, Oregon, and we have a campus in Portland, uh, not really known for its Christianity. As the book's getting into hands of people who are outside the church, I make the case that everyone lives upward, inward, and outward anyway, but not in the way Jesus is talking about. And so, uh, it, it's really resonating with kind of the, the the pre-Christian or never been Christian crowd in in a really cool way, at least where I'm living. So it's I'm excited about it.
0: Awesome! Can you dig a little more deeper into that? Um, how everyone is actually living upward, inward, outward, even if absolutely, yeah, yeah, I'd love to hear that.
1: Yeah, so I mean, if you think of the greatest commandment, Jesus said you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, which I call living upward. And then the second is that you should love your neighbor as yourself. So as yourself is inward, and then uh, loving your neighbor is outward. And so I I make the case in the book is that everybody lives upward, inward, and outward. Everyone has some sort of a faith-based belief about who God is or isn't. Is there a God? Is there not a God? Whatever that uh, belief about uh, God is, uh, that will— drive the way you view yourself, right? Which leads you inward. So upward always leads you inward. And depending on your beliefs about whatever you believe God is, and whatever that means about who you are as a person, that will automatically influence how you treat other people, which is outward. And so I make the case in the book that everyone's living upward, inward and outward, but Jesus doesn't say just live upward, inward and outward however you want. So he says love the Lord your God, you know, the 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 God of the Bible, the God who created and sustains everything, the God who called Moses and the children of Israel into covenant, the God who sent Jesus to die and rise again, who sent forth his spirit to empower his people. So it's that specific God with all that we are and then because of God, who God is, that's us living upward, then God leads us to love ourselves. And and the only way to do that is through the lens of the cross of Jesus Christ. Any self-love divorced from the cross of Jesus Christ is absolutely the most unhealthy thing in the world, and we see that all over the day and age in which we live. And then ultimately, the spirit empowers us to live outward, uh, loving our neighbors as ourselves, treating others as we want to be treated, being the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. And so it's what we found is that most people say, yeah, I do have belief about God, or I don't believe in God. And because of that belief, it informs how they see themselves and how they treat other people in the world. So uh, because it's almost like everyone has that framework, Uh, It it gives a bridge is already there to be able to talk about actually at Crossroads in the last couple of weeks, we've launched over 200 outreach small groups using the upward inward and outward small group curriculum where people are just inviting their friends who are not Christians or not going to church. And already I'm getting the most amazing stories about how people who are outside of the church are, you know, they're just resonating with 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 what this means. And they're being challenged by, you know, you can't just make up any God you want. I mean, you can, but there is one true living God who created and sustained everything, the God of our of our faith, of the Christian faith. And so uh, it's been really cool to see what God's doing.
0: That's awesome. I, I love that. And and this definitely, I, I see how that is a, like you said, a bridge into uh, spiritual conversations and deeper conversations. Can you tell us practically, um, for pastors and mystery leaders who are listening, practically, how are you uh equipping your people to start those small groups and jump into the spiritual conversations like how are how are you helping them speak and and invite people to come and be a part of that
1: yeah so uh, that and that's a great question so you know where we live in the Pacific Northwest everything we do has a uh, uh a pioneer evangelism bent so we realize that where we live there is a uh great churches in the Northwest and in my I, I'm so blessed to be surrounded by so many great churches, you know, but for most churches, they're really shuff. There's a lot of shuffling of believers church to church for all different reasons, but the vast majority, the largest demographic in where I live is people who are outside the church. So not only do we have like an intentional, we're always trying to teach our people how to engage people, uh, whether it is, you know, like I do good old fashioned altar calls every Sunday uh and at our midweek service it's kind of a rarity all over the place but specifically in the northwest and we're seeing amazing fruit uh you know by by doing uh the you know by doing things the same way uh people are learning just through repetition um with the with the small group curriculum what we realize is that a lot of believers want to share their faith they want to see their loved ones their family members their coworkers their neighbors come to know Christ but they just don't know how to get started and so, uh, so in some ways, uh, we always say that we want to put the cookies on the bottom shelf for people. We want to make it as easy for them as possible. So one of the things we did with the small group curriculum, we said just grab the small group curriculum uh, uh, and gather your friends together and then grow. Because in some ways, the beauty of a small group curriculum, and really one that's, we did the small group curriculum really as an outreach tool. So it's, it's really geared towards... Um, more uh, non-believers than it is, like your traditional, this is how we do it in church, small group curriculum, uh, because we felt like everyone can turn on their DVD player and and go from there. And because they're already their friends, uh, you already have a relationship there. So actually the, the, the small group curriculum helps get the conversation going. So if they gather it and then they you know, if they grab the DVDs and then they they gather their friends, then they're going to grow because what will happen is, is the DVD starts the conversation, and then all you have to do is just have your conversations, and they're with your loved ones. So it's not like you're doing it uh, cold evangelism. These are people where there's already relationships, and what's interesting is to see, in a church like Crossroads, where you have people who've been. Uh, with pastor bill for you know 40 years or people who are brand new believers who got saved in the last few years and started their journey with jesus uh for many of them it's the starting of the conversation is the hardest and so really the small group curriculum curriculum does that and then i also i'm always in uh teaching our folks how to do evangelism i'm always reminding them that that if you're awkward with starting a conversation then the conversation will be awkward so um, I'm always I always trying to remind people just try make it as simple as possible if you want to start a conversation already plan a couple questions that uh that get the ball rolling you know and uh if you go into it with kind of armed with some ammo so to speak to start a conversation then it's not nearly as awkward if you're like I think I should have this conversation but I don't know how to start it so those conversation starter questions like like you know so, something simple like so hey you know so you know, I don't, I don't want to be too forward, and we say things like that all the time, where we qualify, like I don't want to be too forward. But you know, I go to this church down the street. Do you, have you ever gone to church before? And and it's funny in our area, a like, lot people are like, no, I've never gone to church before, not ever in my life. You know, and then so so you know so you know do you believe in God? Like those simple questions are still the best questions because people love to answer those questions as long as we're not aggressive in in our approach.
0: That's excellent. That that's fantastic. Now. Are your people inviting them to like kind of a, a book group type of a thing? Or or how are they explaining, hey, we're getting together to what?
1: Yeah, so they're they're saying, hey, listen, so um, you know, you guys know I go to church and, and my pastor just released a book called Upward, Inward, and Outward. And the idea is that every, all of us live up in these three directions. And 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 there's this little five-week DVD set. Why don't you just come over? We're gonna grab a meal and let's just talk about it you know and and so we try and make it as casual as possible and again because it's people that they're already friends with like I, like I had people say to me I'm going to try this I don't know if it's going to work and then they came back like the six people I invited all said yes we're starting tomorrow <laughs> but because it's 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 not I think the beauty is is of the outreach small groups is everybody has friends right and so all you're trying to say is how do I get the people I'm already friends with I already have a relationship how do I get them to take the next step And so this gives them a simple opportunity. And because they're already friends, it's really effortless. So just hey, come on over. And uh, what you'll find is that, you know, people are really good to talk about these things with their friends. It's not terrifying or scary because they're, they're friends.
0: That's awesome, brother. Now, I want to dig a little more into the book here in just a moment. But some of the stuff that you're sharing, I think, is so important, so practical for so many of our pastors listening. Because you are in a context where there are a lot of unchurched, People, so I I was wondering if you could just share maybe a couple other things that you guys are doing there at Crossroads to really reach people who are far from God in your communities.
1: Yeah, I love talking about this. This is kind of what I get the most excited about. Perfect. There's there's a number of things that we're doing, and literally, we're seeing we're by the at this point the rate we're going, we're probably see almost a thousand people respond to the gospel in our sanctuary at a Sunday morning this year. You know, and so. There's a number of things we're doing. one of the first things that we do and we're very intentional about it is we wanted to make our, our worship gatherings on Sunday as uh, as appropriate for uh, non-believers as it is for believers now when I say that that does not mean that we're dumbing down the gospel. I I teach I teach a I teach a, uh, I teach a gospel with teeth on it I like, like to say I don't pull any punches not afraid of the hard things. I think people respect authenticity. Uh, from the pulpit, they don't like it when we when we when we preach a, a kind of a light gospel when it isn't light. Uh, but what one of the things that we do is like um, we explain a lot of things. So like we say, listen, we're going to worship, and 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 by that we mean we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna sing songs because we're grateful for our God. So like we don't just assume that everyone understands worship. As a as a teacher, I'm constantly defining terms that. People won't normally understand, or I I do this every time when when we're teaching. I'll say, hey, listen, open up your your Bible to Matthew's Gospel. Now, if you didn't bring a Bible with you to church, don't worry. There's Bibles in the seats in front of you. But listen, if you grab that Bible, I want you to read along. But I know many of you, you've never opened the Bible before. It's your very first time. And I want to get you there and actually explain to them where it is in the Bible. And what that does is for somebody who is just exploring Jesus, they're like, oh, okay, I'm allowed to be here. Because right? you actually need yeah. time to, to, to show me that I belong here. And so we do a lot of things like that. Or even in the message, I'd be like, now some of you, when I just said, um, you have to bow your knee to King Jesus, I realize that all these things go up in your head. Like, uh, bow the knee, what are you talking about? Like, I don't bow my knee to anybody, you know? Right. Or or King Jesus, I don't like kingdom. I mean, like, we live in a representative democracy. And, and, and so I, I do some subtle apologetics taking into account that someone there isn't a believer. They don't just assume that these things are true. And I want to show them why these things are not only important and true, but why it also will transform their lives. And so, you know, subtle apologetics as I go through a message. So all the way along, they they realize, like, this is a place for me. And so we always say we want crosses to be a place where people can belong before they become. Because what I'm finding in the Northwest is that Yes, sometimes someone walks in and they hear the gospel and they get radically saved in in one moment, and, uh, and I praise God for that. But what we're also finding is that those, the soil is hard, and so we want to keep people long enough that the spirit can soften their hearts, that the the seed of the word of God can get in there and actually take root and blossom. And so our goal is to try and keep someone for six or eight months without them leaving and running away scared – um, so that God can do the work he wants to do. And so never compromising the message, never mess. Like I teach verse by verse through books of the Bible. And I, so I talk about all of it. Um, but trying to do it in such a way that I realize that, you know, there's a lot of people who are in the Valley of decision and I want to be, I want to take in, I want to take their fears and their concerns into account. I want to deal with, Cultural landmines in a in a rigorously biblical way, but also with some bedside manner knowing that uh, other people who don't believe it And it hurts and they've been hurt Uh, And so a kind of a compassionate approach to the fact that there's just lots of people in our congregation Who are hanging around who I I can't wait to see them give their life to Christ and really start walking But they're hanging in there with us for a long time.
0: I I love that brother and and I liked how you shared Those things that you're being intentional about um, during your worship gatherings when people are gathered together and how you're being very intentional for those who, you know, are just kind of dipping their toes into this whole Jesus thing. That's awesome. Now, tell me a little bit, what are you doing outside of the church to help, you know, connect with people who are far from God, to actually get them to show up for a worship gathering where they might hear the truth of Christ? Okay. Great question. So, uh, I'll, I'll
1: give you a couple things that we're doing. So one, obviously social media today is, uh, is a great, uh, connect point for people. So about five years ago, I started these things called two minute messages. Hey everybody, Daniel Fusco here. Welcome to today's two minute message. We all know that words, they hurt sometimes that old child song sticks and stones may, and uh, they're just lit- they're literally me giving a little two minute message. It began with me with my iPhone, you know, after my devotional time at seven o'clock in the morning. And now actually we we do them and they look better and, and not with my hand shaking as I talk with my hands and iPhone. <laughs> you know, um and really what they are is in a I, I consider them chumming the waters. So um, you know, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to take a big idea that almost everyone can agree on. And I'm I'm trying to show how Jesus gets tied into it. And um and I realize I'm not doing it for crossroads, I'm really doing it for uh the gathering of people on Facebook and what it, what started happening. And I, I didn't realize it initially, but what happened was is all these people are seeing these videos and they're sharing them on their pages and their friends are watching them. And then before you, their friends are like, Hey, so do you go to church with, with the pastor, with the dreadlocks, you know? And I'm Mm -hmm. like, and they're like, yeah, like, can I go with you? I've been watching those videos you've been posting for six months. And so there's not a week that goes by that at Crossroads I don't meet somebody who's been watching the two-minute messages and then eventually they graduate from the two-minute messages to like watching Crossroads online campus or our our stream of our services on Facebook Live and then they end up coming to church. And so so, you know, I meet people all the time like that who – I watch your two-minute messages for 16 months and then I thought maybe I should go to church. So that's one of the things we do and we're seeing great success with that. Another thing that we're doing is that you know we really believe in uh, in every ministry of our church has to have a component of self-sacrificial service in our um, in, in our community and in our world. So not only do we do huge initiatives as a really large church, whether uh, like we just did a huge canned food drive for uh, the Salvation Army, uh, because 17% of the people in our community are uh, food insecure, which means they're not sure if they're going to get three meals. Uh, in a day, and so we wanted to help alleviate that. Whether we do something for the school system, but literally men's ministry, women's ministry, young adult kids ministry, all of them have a self-sacrificial component uh, to serve our community at its places of pain in the name of Jesus. And so, you know, so whether what we're doing digitally or what we're doing, like you know, with our sleeves rolled up, right in our community, serving in our community, trying to find—I always say that we always try to find things to join. Uh, rather than creating something, who's already doing something amazing, and can we come and help them, because if when you have someone who's doing something amazing, there's already a group of people. They may not be followers of Jesus, but but they're doing it together, and we can come alongside them, and we can help them along. And not only does it, you know, we're we're rubbing shoulders with people who are outside of Jesus uh, or outside the church, um, but we're also getting a chance to help our community uh, in the cause of common good. And we realized that, you know, for me, we're going to do pulpit evangelism. We're going to do relational evangelism. We're going to do uh, just we're rubbing shoulders and we're serving alongside people. And we're going to try and sprinkle in what we do digitally. I mean, we also we started a TV ministry where I'm on TV in Portland in the middle of the night, like on normal, like on regular, like channel two and four, like after cops. And and, and to, to try and reach people at, you know, 1230 in the morning on Sunday morning all with the gospel. And we're seeing great fruit from that as well. So we're kind of trying to do everything. Any way we can connect to the vast majority of our community in the name of Jesus, we're trying it. And we're exploring and experimenting and and learning as we go.
0: Excellent. Love all of that. I love to hear how you you guys are really working intentionally um, outside your walls and also intentionally inside your walls to really help connect people to the hope of Christ. That's beautiful. Jumping back to the book, Upward, Inward, Outward, published by Nav Press. As I was looking through this and reading through the book, um, awesome stuff, very practical things in regard to spiritual disciplines, and and I really encourage people to take a look at it. One of the things, thinking about our podcast here, you know, our audience primarily pastors and ministry leaders. Um, I was thinking through all these different disciplines that you have in here for spiritual formation, and I was curious, what spiritual disciplines do you feel pastors and ministry leaders might struggle with the most
1: I would say it's a moving target like let me give you an example so I wrote the book and I just recently I, I, I did the um, I did the audiobook so I read the entire book through in a week uh, in a studio trying to put the audiobook together and I was convicted by uh, an upward inward and outward discipline that I didn't feel like I was really doing a good job at Mm. You know, and which made me laugh, because I'm like, I'm reading and I'm, I'm convicted by and I'm like, I'm so grateful that I wrote this. And even if someone else, I'm this is awesome. I'm, like, I'm really blessed by this. And so I think what I am constantly finding as a pastor, and, and as I as I lead uh, our staff at Crossroads, um, is that d- in different seasons, there are different things that are, are really pressing. So like, I know, like for us as a church, uh, each year we kind of have some, some focus that we're going to do. And so I know as we're coming into 2018, God has already led us to uh, that it's going to be what we call a year of deepening. And uh, prayer and fasting, which are two of the disciplines that I talk about uh, in Upward, Inward and Outward, as well as generosity, are the three disciplines that we're going to be focusing on churchwide, where we're looking at what does it look like for us to really move into it. So I think for me, it's a constant time of assessment that we have to reflect and say, where am I? I think also with churches right now, especially with the, with a, a much needed emphasis right now on kind of the, uh, the, in, the inward disciplines, I think Pete Scazzaro's emotionally healthy spirituality and emotionally healthy church is really resonating with a lot of people because I think we can sometimes as churches, we're so focused upward and outward that uh, we can find ourselves in really uh, unhealthy places personally. And I don't know any pastor who hasn't found himself in those type of situations, maybe not in in a a horrific uh, situation, but they find, man, there's areas of unhealth in in my life. And so um, I think we just have to keep looking and and asking ourselves and asking the spirit to search our hearts uh, where we're strong and where
0: we're weak. That's excellent. And that um, is why a resource like your book um, can be so helpful because, you know, you spell out 12 different spiritual disciplines here. And um, as, as you're reading through, just like you said, as you were reading through yourself, you're thinking, you know, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you like, hey, this is, this is an area that you can kind of develop in. And um, as a church as a whole, you know, you said there are three of these disciplines that you guys really feel God's leading you for 2018 to focus in on. So as a tool and as a resource in our spiritual growth, whether you're a pastor, ministry leader or, or not— um, just actually reading through and going through these, and just being open and praying and saying, uh, "Holy Spirit, in what areas here do I need to really grow in?" Uh, I, I think it's absolutely awesome. So I'm glad that you uh, touched on that. I think it'd be cool for churches to even kind of look through, just as you, guy kind of laid it on your heart for for your church. You know, what are some of these areas in which we can grow, and then how can we focus in on those in, in the coming months or the coming years ahead? So. That's awesome, brother. Now, how are you hoping people will use this book? I mean, what's your hope? I know we've touched on a, a few different ways, and even how you're using it, even though you're the one who wrote it. But are are there some hopes that you have as you put this book together?
1: Well, you know, I I really wrote it, and I, I just I'm so grateful that Jesus is real in my life. Um, I didn't grow up in the church. I got saved at the end of college at, at a liberal arts university when I was 21 years old, and. And so I'm so blown away by the grace of God some 20 years after the fact. I'm, I'm, I'm more grateful for the gospel now than on the day that I got saved. And so I really just pray that uh, it will meet people where they are. And as it meets people where they are, uh, Jesus will take them to where he wants to take them to. So, I mean, I've talked to people who are using it devotionally, like they're kind of, you know, I, I kind of write in a very uh, purposefully a conversational style. Uh, part of it's my personality. Part of it's also I just I always say that I'm, I want my niche to be everybody. I want to write in a way that someone who uh, it's just like we're having a cup of coffee and we're and we're talking about these things. And so uh, in some in some ways I use kind of bad grammar because I, I did that on purpose because I wanted it to be I didn't want it to read cold. Not that good grammar is cold, but I wanted it to be a much more of a casual read. And so, so you know, I've talked to people who read it cover to cover. And they enjoyed uh, the, the, the process. The chapters are not uh, – and the sections of the chapter are not all that long. And so uh, I, I think people can pop in. I just talked to someone the other day, and he said that uh, what he's doing is that every morning as part of his daily devotion. He just He's just opening a page, and he's reading from the first header he finds to the end of that section. And, and so, you know, I have people reading it all. And I saw my hope is that God will just do whatever he wants to do with it. And I figure in, in each person's life, God's doing something unique and he's growing us up. And so I just pray that the book will be a blessing as as Jesus is uh, discipling us and transforming us to become more like him.
0: Awesome, Daniel. And, and I have to say, I do love the fact, because as I was reading through it, it is almost as if you're just sitting there you know, chatting with me. So um, I, I love the, the manner in which you write. Um, it is very, very conversational, very easy to digest, and I think something that would be a great tool and a great resource, uh, as you've even mentioned earlier, to, to share with friends, even friends who are not yet convinced of Christ as Lord, right? And it, it'd be something that kind of get into. I, I feel like it's written at, in, in such a way that— no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, it can take you further, which not all books are that way. You know, some are some are written more f- completely for people who are far from God. Some are written for people who are, you know, been, you know, hanging out with Jesus for a long time. This seems to be able to hit and take everyone kind of to that next step and everyone deeper. So I certainly appreciate um, how you put that book together, brother. Great stuff.
1: And that's so encouraging. And in some ways I feel blessed because in the ministry that I'm doing you know, like at Crossroads, there's people who've been incredibly well taught by our founding pastor and, and Bill Ritchie, his PhD, you know, him and his wife are in the congregation. And so I realize I'm ministering to saints who have uh, been walking with Jesus longer than I've been alive. And at the same time, I'm ministering to people, as we talked about, who are uh, just exploring Jesus and don't know anything about the Bible. And so I'm constantly trying to say, how can I uh, deepen uh, and strengthen, uh, you know, half century saints? And how can I minister uh, the good news of Jesus to people who uh, literally do not know anything about the Bible at the same time? And so I wanted to write a book that was—I uh, think Einstein said that things should be simple, but not simplistic. And so uh, there's, you know, my goal was to take, you know, some real deep Bible, but also explain it in a way that anybody can understand. So to hear that you you kind of felt get like hit that is super encouraging to me because that was my goal. And uh, I'm always trying to figure out, like, am I actually getting that done, or is it is it a little all all over the place? So
0: well done, Daniel. I think I think you hit it, brother. I think you hit it. Listen again, as you're you're talking to your colleagues right now, you know, pastors, men and women across the country and around the world, really, um, they're leading churches. What final words of encouragement or inspiration or, or perhaps challenge would you like to share with them? Maybe that we haven't touched on thus far.
1: Well, you know. I- I feel blessed to be uh, part of such a great uh, cloud of witnesses, as the Bible would say, of uh, men and women who are serving the Lord. Um, As I look at the world today, um, I'm always surprised that sometimes the church takes a hopeless position given all that's going on in the world. And I think with all the statistics of um, churches and the the church in general in decline and all these things, I I just think it's the greatest cultural moment ever to be a, a ministry leader and a pastor. I think um, I think God's seen this moment, and I think He has people who He wants to to have reached. And so I think because He's the God of all hope, I would just encourage everyone: let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Jesus is not done yet, and uh, and to me, when we're willing just to say Jesus is going to work in and through all of this for His own glory and and, and to and to strengthen the the church. I mean, in the Northwest, we're seeing people get radically saved and we're seeing uh, churches grow. And so um, don't get our eyes on the culture. Let's get our eyes on the Lord. And and, and one of the things I also say in the book is that when we prioritize God's kingdom, we can trust in God's provision. And I'm not just speaking provision in a financial way, but I think in the ministry oftentimes we get nervous because we don't trust that. We're gonna have what it takes to get these things done. And but when but God is interested in furthering his kingdom, nothing can stop his kingdom. You know, uh, the gates of Hades can't prevail against the the church, and that's not a building that's that's the the redeemed set apart people of God. So I just really encourage every time I talk to church leaders, just like I did this weekend at a conference, I just remind them like, man, this is the man, if you're in Christ, it's all good. Like we just it's God's working and we just need to keep our eyes on him. And not because it's too easy to despair. And, and I think what Satan really would love is for
0: pastors and church leaders to begin to despair uh, because that obscures the gospel. Mm, that's that's a good word, Daniel. Thank you so much for that. As we're kind of closing down, just a couple things. One, if they want to learn more about Upward, Inward, Outward, uh, what's the best way for them to, to get information on the book? And then also you said you had that small group study.
1: Yeah, so uh, my website, DanielFusco.com. Uh, has all the information obviously you can pick up upward inward and outward uh, wherever you like to buy books so if you like ebooks it's in all the outlets or paper books or uh, the audiobooks uh releases in the early part of uh in, in the early part of november uh, the small group curriculum is available exclusively through my website i know uh they've been talking about can we get it through the other outlets so danielfusco.com if you just scroll down you'll see the small group curriculum and um and honestly, it's like we we have a number of churches now who right away were like, we want to do that small group curriculum. The idea of the outreach small group—it's uh, it's a great way to do, um, you know, to for for people in your church to reach um, their friends, and so all that stuff. Also, people uh, like to follow and and check out stuff on Facebook. Obviously, we have a pretty rigorous ministry and so i'm on all the social media outlets as well doing all different things whether it's on facebook or twitter or instagram just trying to you know uh check it out And i know some church leaders just been following the stuff just to see what we're doing and i always tell people like you know if there's anything that i'm doing that you think is a good idea you should do it too because (laughs) all that matters is that we reach people in the name of jesus so and and if you innovate something that i'm doing you come up with something better please let me know because i want to do that too (laughs) you
0: know so it's all about reaching people Awesome, brother. Daniel, it's been so good to chat with you today. Uh, I just love your heart, love your spirit. I love what God's doing in you and what God's doing through you. And uh, just a blessing to have you on the Church Leaders Podcast. Thank you so much. Jason, thanks so much. I really appreciate it, man. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week, as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders podcast, and if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance, and if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the Faith Play app. It's available for both Apple and Android. And so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well,